If you have your Bibles, go to First Thessalonians, and I want to I want to start a series coming into um, this Thanksgiving season. I don't think Thanksgiving is just a holiday. I think it's a season. Come on, some of you you just want to jump straight to Christmas. I I I uh, 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 hold it. Let's get through Thanksgiving first. Come on now. Now, how many people have set up your Christmas tree already? The altars are open. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing with you today. Um, Thanksgiving is is probably one of my favorite holidays, not just because I get to eat. That's one of the reasons, but that's not the only reason. And um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to just use this as a point of reference today. Um, uh, I want to speak to you on this topic of an attitude of gratitude. Everyone say an attitude of gratitude. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 and 18. I love this verse. I love this series of verses. They're short. They're sweet. They're straight to the point. But they pack a lot of punch. It says this. Um, uh, it says, always be joyful. Everyone say always. Verse 17. Never stop praying. Everyone say never. Verse 18, I want you to pay close attention to this. Be thankful in all circumstances. Everyone say thankful. Everyone say all. Everyone say thankful. Everyone say all. So when am I to be thankful? In all circumstances. That means the good, bad, the ugly, and wee, 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 whatever it is, right? Uh, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. How many uh, belong to Christ Jesus? All right, here's a mandate for you. Be joyful, be praying, and be thankful. Boy, I could just shut down right there and have an altar call. Amen. Uh, so uh, I, I think that's very beautiful. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word today. God, I thank you, Lord, that it, it pierces our hearts. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just use me how you see fit today. God, I'm, I am nothing more than a vessel. God, would you anoint me today, Lord? Uh, your word is already anointed, but God, anoint me to preach your word today. God, give me strength. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, I love Thanksgiving. It's probably my favorite uh, holiday of the year. You, some of you are like, really? And I guess I just love Thanksgiving because I have fond memories growing up and going to my grandparents' house for Thanksgiving and going uh, to my aunts' and uncles' houses and, and just everybody gathering around the table. We would eat. We would play games. Come on. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we get in fights over those games. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But they were great. We were thankful for those moments. And I love Thanksgiving. It's just really one of my favorite holidays, not just because the Dallas Cowboys play every Thanksgiving. All right, there's to the two or three of you that have faith in the house. All right, um, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Um, but Thanksgiving, and you can write this down, and I've said this here before, but Thanksgiving is not a day we celebrate, but a lifestyle that we initiate. It's not just a day that we take and we just, hey, I just give thanks on this day, but it is, it is a lifestyle that we have to initiate, we have to put into action. So, and here's the deal. Thankfulness is the remedy for selfishness. 
Now, I didn't get a lot of amens on that, so I pray that that hits your heart. Did you know that thankfulness is the remedy for selfishness? If you find yourself being very selfish, you might want to check and make sure if, if, and see if you've been thankful for some things. So uh, I, I, everyone say an attitude of gratitude. All right, so what is gratitude? What is gratitude? Um, what is that exactly? So gratitude is this. It's the practice of actively remembering and expressing grace and, and the goodness bestowed in our lives. Let me repeat that again. Gratitude is the practice of actively remembering. Everyone say remember. And expressing the grace and goodness bestowed in our lives. How many can say today that, that you have some things to be thankful for? Amen. How many got out of a nice warm bed today? You got something to be thankful for. How many had a ride to church today? Anybody walk to church today? All right. If you did, you got two feet to get you here. Amen. And so, listen, we have a lot to be, uh, to be thankful for. Grace is, is basically this, and I say this a lot, it's unmerited favor, but it's benefits that we don't deserve. That's what grace is. It's something that I don't deserve. And here's the thing. As people, we have this innate desire to show gratitude or to give thanks for the goodness of, of grace that we receive. Let me give you an example for this. Husbands, you want your wives to um, be sweet and gracious to you, then you need to be sweet and gracious to your wife. Amen? Wives, you want your husband to be sweet and gracious to you, then you need to be sweet and gracious to him. Here's something that happens with me. When Tristan is sweet, uh, both times in our marriage where she's been sweet to me, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. When Tristan is sweet to me, you know what it makes me want to do? Be sweet back to her. And I know that if she's in a bad mood, if I will be sweet to her, I can get through that hard outer shell and get there to where the sweetness comes out, all right? And so, listen, it, there's this innate thing inside of us that when grace is bestowed upon us, we want to reciprocate and give grace as well. How many know that that's a good picture of what Jesus Christ did for us? So, I, it, it's interesting this week, we went... Um, to Cincinnati uh, for uh, my birthday Thursday. We went and we ate with my family, had a beautiful time, and we went and ate over there. And then uh, Friday we got up and we went to uh, the Ark Encounter. Anybody been down there to the Ark Encounter in, in Kentucky? Well, I had the opportunity to do that. And we spent the day down there, and it was, it's amazing to see with your eyes uh, the size of that thing. It, 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 it is just massive. And, and if you haven't been, you need to go check it out some point and, and look at it. But while we were down there, there were some things that just stuck out to me as, we were, as I was being retold the story of Noah. How many know that we've all heard that story? Primary Sunday school class with the little felt things that they would put up. Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. 
and they would put that little Noah's Ark up, and then there's the rainbow. And so I've heard that story my whole life over and over and over. How many have heard that story a hundred times, maybe a thousand times? I, I've heard that story, but, but something uh, about this kind of stuck out to me when we were down there. And I love how God speaks to me. I, I'll just say this. God will speak to you if you'll open your ears no matter where you're at. And, and, and while we were going through there, and, uh, we were just looking at some things, and, and God just really began to speak to me. So in Genesis chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 8, you can, you can jump there. I want to show you something in this. Um, if you don't have it, it will be on the screen. You can look up there. And if you can't read the screen, you need to go see the eye doctor, all right? I'm just playing. I'm just playing. All right. Genesis chapter 8, verse 15 through 20, it says this. Then God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you. Of all, f- all flesh, birds and animals, and every creeping thing that creeps in the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Verse 18, so Noah went out and his sons and his wives and his sons' wives with, with, with him. I'm sorry, Noah had one wife, his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Verse 19, every beast, every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. Look at verse 20 here. This is, this is something I want to pinpoint right here. This is important. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings to the Lord. Um, this is amazing to me when I uh, uh, look, at, look at the ark. The ark is a picture of what Jesus Christ did for us. He made a way where there seems to be no way. The world was vile, and, and God had given mankind a chance to, uh, uh, to repent. And God had, had, had told Noah, hey, build this ark, build this ark. And he gave him, uh, Brother Johnson did a great job talking about that a little bit last week. I don't know if you remember that joke about the, the pictures of the Bible or, or the pages of the Bible being glued together. And, and anyways, long story short. But he built this ark, and Noah built this ark. And for uh, 75 years, they estimate, it took him to build this ark. And some of you say, hey, God has given me a dream, and you give up on that dream in about a week. But for 75 years, this man built an ark following the instructions that God had given him. And then he proceeded to do what God did. God did miraculous, sent the animals there on the ark. And with his family, they got on the ark. And when it began to rain and when the flood waters began to rise, God shut the door, right? God shut the door and God made a way. How many know that in the midst of sin, when Adam and Eve sinned, the door was shut, and Jesus Christ came, and he set us free. Amen? Jesus Christ is still the door. So, But look at this. Noah's first response when he gets out of this ark. Now, mind you, he's been in there with animals for almost one year. How many know that's a long time to be on something that, that you have no control of? Come on. 
And you're just going with every wave and every wind, and you're just being pushed around, and, and it stinks because there's animals. Noah had sons, and they stink. Come on, somebody. Some of you that have teenage boys know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you just got to go in the room with Febreze. Come on now. And, and, but he's on this ark. It's dark. It's raining. And for one year, and the first thing that Noah does when he gets on dry land is he steps out and he builds an altar of thanks to the Lord. What a beautiful picture that is. So uh, uh, when we think about that, and, and, and here's, here's the other thing I want you to understand about that. At that time, Near Eastern civilizations, you know, prior to uh, Noah there, they had not, they didn't have commandments or statutes regarding worship. They didn't really have a set standard. They just worshiped God independently. Uh, organized religion and faith practices uh, we're still at least a thousand years away in Exodus. God would come and he would mandate to, to the Jewish people how they would worship. And Noah and his family had only been, uh, 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 had been the only followers of God amongst all the people in the world and society. And, and so all these people had passed away. Therefore, this was a singular practice of worship and thanksgiving to God. Noah didn't come into a church service like this where we're all coming in to give God thanks corporately. No, no, no. He built an altar by himself and said, God, I'm going to thank you first. I love that. It's just a beautiful picture. So, so here's the thing. Noah, he didn't offer a sacrifice out of good fortune or to keep God happy out of duty. He did it because, hey, God's just been good to me. God sustained me. God, God kept me. And here's the thing, this sacrifice that he offers is out of a heart of gratitude. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, a heart of gratitude. So his, his first, listen to me, and honestly, I think we can learn something from Noah right here. His first natural instinct coming off the ark, I'm building an altar to the Lord, and I'm going to give him praise and, and thanks. Listen to me, your first response after God answers a prayer or you come out of a long trial, maybe some of you have been in a trial for a year, some of you have been in a trial for months, whatever the case, when you come out of that trial, you know what your first response should be? God, I want to thank you. God, I want to give you praise for keeping me. God, I want to thank you for sustaining me. God, thank you for making a way where there seems to be no way. Everyone say, thank you, Lord. All right. And so he offers this sacrifice of, of gratitude, and, and I love that. He just says, God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you. Imagine this, if, if, if you had been on the ark. I don't know about you, but if I'd have got off the ark, if Novak would have got off the ark, you know what he would have done? He would have got out and said, where is the Wi-Fi signal? Come on, somebody. If you would have got off the ark, you would have said, finally some fresh air up in this joint. Or, or maybe it's time that we, we make a meal outside or, or whatever the case. Or maybe it's, it's time that I get on some solid ground and I haven't been rocking. And we, we, we would have every other thing. Maybe you would come out and you would stretch and be like, oh, right? Made dinner. 
I don't know, but not Noah. This is what he did. He, after a trial for one year, the first thing he does is come out of the ark and say, God, I give you thanks. Amen. Everyone say, thank you, Lord. This is the beautiful part of this. How does God respond to Noah's Noah's gratitude and, 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 and thankfulness? The answer is further on. If you read in Genesis 8.21, it says this. It says, and when the Lord smelled, everyone say smelled. Thanksgiving's coming. Smelled the pleasing aroma. The Lord said in his heart. I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike uh, every living creature as I have done. Verse 22. While the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. Look at this next verse. In, in, In the ninth chapter, it says this. And God, and God, and God, Noah and his sons, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So three things I just want to take out of this um, is this. Noah's offering, the smell of it drifted up. So how many like a good barbecue? Man, I can smell barbecue five miles away. Come on now. And, 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 and here's what happens as he began to sacrifice these animals, not because God told him to, because he wanted to show God gratitude. And that smell began to rise. God said, there's some barbecue happening up in here. Oh, look, it's pleasing and aroma. That's why we sing that song today. Uh, let incense arise. Let our worship, because what happens when we begin to show thankfulness, we begin to show gratitude to what God is doing in our lives. Listen, God says, there is some great smell coming from Cornerstone today. You know what? I think I'm just going to take a step that direction. I think I'm going to come and just be in their midst because there is a beautiful smell that's coming up. God smelled that. And what happened? God's heart was touched. Something amazing about this story is God made a covenant here with man and with Noah. He made a covenant. And what started that series of that covenant was thankfulness, was gratitude. Hey, I will not flood the earth again. As long as it's you know, there's, there's seed time, there's harvest time. As long as there's winter, as long as there's summer, as long as there's day and night, I will not destroy the earth again. So God made a covenant, and I will never curse the ground because of man's evil heart ever again. And then I love this last part. Here's the third thing. God bless Noah. How many want to be blessed? You know, there's this old saying, and, and you know, some of my older saints may, may remember this. When the praises go up, oh, yeah, a few of you know that. When the praises go up, God's blessings come down. And God blessed Noah. And Noah wasn't blessed because he was a good boat captain. No. And and he wasn't good. He wasn't blessed because he kept the morale up on the ark. No. He wasn't blessed 
uh, for, for not drowning all the animals or killing all the animals. He, he wasn't blessed because he built a solid boat. No, no, no. But he was blessed. He was obedient to the Lord, number one. Everyone say obedient. But that's not necessarily, uh, listen to me, hear me out. When you are obedient to the Lord, blessings will follow you. Okay, but in this case, that's not the reason that the Lord is wanting to bless him. I believe it followed him. But here's the thing. He walked out of the ark, and the first thing he chose to do was to please God. Why is it, why is it with us, when God does something miraculous for us, the, the last thing that we do is thank God? When God gives you a raise, how many of you right then and there say, thank you, Lord, for this raise? Come on, some of you do, some of you don't. And why is it, and I think that we can learn something here from Noah is this. The first response that we should have as believers in Jesus Christ is to give God the glory first, is to give him praise first, is to give him gratitude first. Come on, can you give Jesus Christ gratitude in this house? Can you begin to thank him right now? This is interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm going to bounce around here. I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm going to my fourth point just back there in the booth, just so you know. Everyone say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is blessing us right now. God has blessed Cornerstone right now. So our first response should be to give God gratitude. Now, I want to show you something here. Um, gratitude is the practice of remembering God's grace as well. Okay, here's, here's this. This is my fourth point. If you're taking notes, good luck. There's a ritual in the middle of the Passover story um, that, that if you read it fast, you'll miss it. You'll really miss it. And how many know sometimes you can read the Bible too fast and you'll miss these little nuances that, that are in Scripture that you need to hear? And unless maybe you're familiar with Jewish tradition, you'll probably have, have heard little or nothing about this. But check this out. So the children of Israel in Exodus, they're about to leave Egypt. How many know that story? Speaking of Sunday school, flannel, right? Uh, put that up there on the, on the thing. And they're about to leave uh, uh, Egypt. And in the process, God is about to send um, uh, the Passover angel there and who's going to come across. And God tells them what to do. What do they do? They got to they gotta paint the doorpost of where they live with the blood of a lamb, amen, which is just a picture, a later picture of Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're going to get to heaven, you're going to have to paint the blood of Jesus Christ on your heart. Come on, somebody. And so there they are, and, and right the night before, God says something in Exodus chapter 12 here. And I want to point this out to you. This is interesting to me. Exodus chapter 12, verse 24 through 27 says this. You shall observe this rite as a statute. Everyone say a statute. You know what a statute is? You better do it. It's like, it's like a law, okay? It's a statute for you and your sons forever, talking to the people of Israel. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he promised. How many know if God says he'll do it, he will do it? You shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover 
For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and they began to worship. So there's this little bit, uh, you say, hey, what does that have to do with, with gratitude, Pastor? Why, uh, why, why are you taking us there? I want to just show you something here. God understands my nature and God understands your nature really good because here's what happens. I am forgetful. How many are forgetful? I've got a wife that keeps me organized, keeps me going in the right direction because I forget things. Uh, and she always tells me, hey, you should write this down. She's so good to me that she puts everything in my phone. And I don't even have to think about it. I, I look at it and go, oh, I have this happening today. I have this today. Get you a, get you a wife like mine. Listen, to keep you organized. But she keeps me organized. She keeps me going in the right direction. But my my the way that I am and the way that you are is we forget so easily, right? And we oftentimes, God does something amazing for us. We're grateful for it, but move away from that situation one year, two years, three years, four years, five years down the road, and we forget of God's grace and mercy over our lives. Yeah. And, and here's what they did. They, they set into motion here, and, they, and God said, hey, make this a statute that you take the time to remember, to show your kids, to show your kids' kids, to show your grandkids what God brought you out of. Let me ask you this. Parents, let me ask you this. Grandparents, are you showing your kids and your grandkids the landmarks in your life where God's grace was given to you, where God's grace kept you? It's a good, that's a good word. So, so when the, the children of Israel, they would ask, why, why do we practice this Passover? Why do we do this? And God wanted the adults to respond and say this, we do this because God kept us. So your kids say, why do we go to church on Sunday? Because God's grace has kept us. Listen. Uh, you know, you may look at your kids and tell them your testimony. Maybe you don't want to tell them your testimony, but you need to look at them and say, hey, God sustained me. God kept me. Some of you would be strung out on drugs right now. Some of you would be dead in an alley right now if it had not been for the grace of God. You know, one of the things I love about my dad is this, and, and those of you who know my dad, he, he's, he's sporadic. You just don't know what will come out of his mouth at any given moments. And I've said this before. In the car with him, anytime I'm in the car with him and there's a low-end conversation, we can just be sitting there and I could be looking at the trees and I could be looking at the rivers as we're passing by or whatever. And then out of nowhere, he'll say, God, thank you for your mercy and grace and scare me half to death. But you know what he's doing there? He's remembering the landmarks. God, you, you kept me. I, I, I'm looking back, and I'm remembering what you did for me. I think this is a beautiful picture. When we look at Noah, his first response is to give God thanks, and the last response that we have as believers is to give God thanks. It's an attitude of gratitude. It starts within us. How many are grateful for God's grace? I want to read this story, and this is just a beautiful story of grace and, and given God's grace over us. Grace is this, unmerited favor. I want to say unmerited favor. That means getting what you don't deserve. How many have ever been given something that you don't deserve? 
you got an ice cream when you didn't deserve an ice cream? How about the people that have waited tables? You got a good tip when you didn't deserve a good tip. Come on, somebody. Say, me and my wife, we, we talk about that. And, and sometimes I'll just be like, hey, I'm going to leave a good tip. And, you know, and Tristan, she's a little bit more frugal on money than I am. But she'll say, well, I don't think they did a very good job. And I'll just say, well, maybe they just need to pick me up today. Maybe that I could just be a blessing. Maybe, maybe I could be the one to turn that frown upside down. It's my hope. Does it always work? I don't know. I don't, I don't reap the benefit of it. I just leave the restaurant. Maybe the next person does. I don't know. But I, I saw this story, and I think it's a beautiful story. Um, uh, here, i got to find it because I'm all over the place here. But look at this. Um, there's a news, news article about a police officer responding to a man threatening suicide by jumping off the top of a high building. When the officer arrived at the scene, the man on the ledge uttered as he positioned himself perched to jump he said no one loves me no one cares if i died no one will miss me and the officer said it was as if the man's despair was painfully evident as he repeated this sentiment over and over and over and as the officer tried to talk him off the ledge the officer realized the situation was getting worse not better and the man on the ledge was going to jump, and as the officer witnessed this man's pain, come on, I, I, that's a, this gets me, and he said, all I could do in that moment was think, I love this man. I care for this man. So this is what the officer offered this man on the ledge in this intrinsic feeling of love that he had for him as the man continued to vocalize his brokenness. The officer gently stated, don't jump, I love you. You are loved. You are not alone. And someone cares for you. And I care for you. And I love you. And the officer said this repeatedly as this man, they were bantering back and forth. And, and, I, I, and you can look this story up on the internet, I believe. And the surrounding officers testified that those words brought the man out of his trance of despair. And the officer continued to tell the stranger on the ledge, I love you. You have value. I, I care for you. And the man climbed off the ledge and fell into the officer's arms, sobbing. The officer held him and embraced him and continued to repeat to this man, I love you. I love you. And when the reporters asked the officer why he felt this way toward a man he did not even know, the officer replied something to this effect. I just felt I loved him even though I didn't know him. And it broke my heart to see him feel so unloved because I am loved. And I knew I loved him. You know what that is? That's abounding grace. That's a picture of abounding grace. What does that mean? It's reciprocated. God loved me so I can love others. God loved you so you can love others. How many are thankful for God's grace? You know, I'm doing something, and I, I don't even know what I'm doing here at the end of this sermon. This is, it's butchered completely. That's okay. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. But I'm doing something um, this month. The other day I was in a store, and I bought a, a desk calendar um, for my desk. 
It was on sale because it went from July to July. I don't know. It was on sale. And I said, I want that. And so I bought it. I looked at Tristan and said, can I, can I buy this? She said, yeah, you can buy that, honey. I'm just teasing, kind of. But uh, so I, I bought this calendar, and the Holy Spirit began to convict me. And he just began to just speak to me and said, what are you thankful for, TJ? So I made up my mind. I said, okay, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. You don't have to do this. Don't feel like this, this, this may just be for me. I don't know. I'm, something, I'm walking out. I'm just being, I'm being open and honest right now. As I took that calendar, and some people do this during, during November on social media. That's perfectly fine if you want to do this on social media. But Holy Spirit checked me and said, hey, let's just make this between us. Not for man's fanfare, not so people can look at you and say, hey, well, it's good that he's thankful. And I'm thankful for a lot of things. But I begin to write on my calendar what I'm thankful for. Now, as I was studying for, for Wednesday night, I begin to think about the grace of God over my life. And the Holy Spirit just said, what are you, what are you, what are you thankful for? And the first thing that came to my mind was this. God, your grace, your abounding grace, because without it, I'm nothing. God, I'm shown mercy that I don't deserve because Scripture says the wages of sin is death. That's really what I deserve. But this is what I know, and I said this Wednesday night. You want to see God's grace in action? Look at the cross. He took my debt. He paid my debt. He looked ahead. He saw your debt and said, man, that person, they're going to be a scoundrel. They're going to blow it. They're going to make mistakes. But I love them. In the scripture, it tells us this in Romans 10, 10, 9. It says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know why? Because Jesus took care of it on the cross. How many are grateful for that? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and say, hey, I hear you talking about this grace thing. I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior. I want to give you an invitation to know him today. No one looking around. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand just as we wait just a moment here. We wait just a moment. Come on, I want to just be patient. Listen, I, you may be scared to death to raise your hand. Listen, it's the best decision you'll ever make, I promise.
All right. This is what I what I feel like I need to do here. Look at me. I'm just going to assume that everyone's a believer in here. How many can say this? Coming into this month, just shifting your, your whole attitude to heart of gratitude. I don't know about you. I, you know, how many would say, hey, I want to be like Noah. I want my first response to give God thanks, to give God praise, to give God gratitude. How many would say, hey, I want to be like Noah. Come on, just lift your hand. How about this? I want to be like the children of Israel, too. That when I look back, I go, yeah, that was God. And I'm grateful, and I have gratitude, and I'm thankful that he kept me. Will you stand with me all across this building? Listen, uh, an attitude of gratitude starts with thankfulness and it ends with thankfulness. And it doesn't ever stop. And in the middle of that, like what Brother Johnson talked about, in the messy middle, you still got to give thanks to God. Even when you don't always have the answer clearly in front of you, you just got to give gratitude to God. I'm sure Noah on that boat, there were times where he was like, I am ready to be off of this thing. Will you just raise your hands? Come on, in this house. Can we just begin to give God thanks? Begin to give him gratitude right there in your, in your, in your own, own place. I don't know your situation. Just begin to, we did this at prayer meeting the other night. Just begin to vocalize. Come on, begin to vocalize. Begin to say it with your vocalizer. Come on. Just begin to tell him. Begin to tell the Lord. Thank you, Lord.